This is Rob Tebbett for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Delighted, as always, to be joined by Frank Warren. We're here, we're still here in lockdown. It's week number 355 or something like that. How are you keeping, Frank? It's Groundhog Week. It's killing me. Yeah, it's, uh, how am I feeling? I'm the same as everybody else, very frustrated. And uh, we all want to be doing something, don't we? And unfortunately, uh, our sport is all about dates. If you haven't got a date to work towards, then nothing goes on. You know, fighters can't train. They haven't got anything to train, any dates to train for to achieve peak fitness levels. And uh, you know, we just can't do anything. So we're like the majority of the country at the moment, very frustrated and unable to, to work. I think it's been about probably six weeks since I spoke to you last. Has there been any developments or any changes on your end? No, I mean, what we've been working on is just, is, is obviously uh, when boxing does come back that we can hit the ground running. So we've been doing a lot of research and having a lot of calls with various uh, people, especially the Boxing Board of Controls, because it looks like when it does come back, it will be behind closed doors to start with. So we've got, at the moment, lined up a number of fights that as soon as uh, this can be safely done, it's not going to be a a burden on the NHS or any of the other services that we can uh, get up and moving and, and give the public some entertainment and importantly give the boxers some work and some income. The last time I spoke to you, you spoke about Dubois Joyce and you said that you didn't want that fight or you couldn't have that fight behind closed doors. Is that still the way that you look at that? Yeah, I do feel any big fights. I think that I don't. I, I think they need that environment. They need the the, the, the fans there. Might be done. What's going to happen? Uh, there's going to be a statement. I think it's on Thursday, isn't it, by uh, Boris Johnson? Mm. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, they give us some guidelines as to what we can be doing. So you know, our, our intentions, if we are doing anything behind closed doors, is that we'll start off with. Uh, I can't. I don't mean to be disrespectful, like small shows, but you know, probably British title, intercontinental, maybe in Europeans if we're lucky. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot of logistics to, that you've got to deal with to get shows on. I mean, for example, if you bring in foreign opponents in, they're going to, we're going to have to isolate them for 14 days. Um, and obviously the most important thing is whoever's involved in the promotion, whether they're boxers, uh, they're trainers, referees, everybody who's in there, cutmen, cornermen, they're all going to have to be uh, tested regularly. So we think there's going to be a minimum of at least two tests per week to ensure that um, it's safe for the, for the guys to fight and for everybody else to be involved in it. And we'll be talking about putting fighters actually maybe into isolation for a period of time before the fight. So we're going to be very safe. That's the most important thing about this and the most paramount thing is that is that we do have a... Um, that we, you know, we, we, we make sure that everybody is protected as best as possible. With you making a point there about kind of having foreign opponents coming in and having to quarantine them, could this lead to more work for kind of your British journeyman, your Lewis Van Pooches, your people like that? Well, I mean, look, obviously, you know, it, it makes more sense for us to make more British fights than we can. And being realistic about this, you know, when it does come back, people are not going to be queuing up to put on shows. I mean, contrary to what some people seem to think is going to happen, that won't happen. Um, you're in a position where if it is behind closed doors, that obviously means there's no revenue generated from the, from the, from the paying public, which is a big blow. Um, so therefore, you're going to rely on TV revenue. And there's only two promoters who've got any TV. MTK do their golden contract stuff. So it's Matrum, um, MTK and ourselves, Will be the, the, the will be the promoters. Will be the only ones promoting any shows. So, uh, to say with their golden contract shows. So that will be it. Um, I don't see anybody unless they unless they, you know, want to lose lots and lots of money putting any shows on until that band's lifted. So it's going to be. It's not going to be a strain on on the resources of the boxing board of control or referees and doctors and so forth. You know, we'll ease back into it and then see how it goes and hopefully it will go you know, go as best as you can. But none of us and nobody wants to do shows behind closed doors. It's the last thing we want to do, but it's probably going to be the only thing we can do to start with. And that's, that's how it'll be. And we've got to ensure that, you know, if football is doing it and rugby and other sports are doing it, then we're there. We've got to be 
relevant. We've got to be on the box. We've got to be delivering our products into people's homes. They've got to, you know, there's a lot of boxing fans out, out there. It's probably the second most popular sport in the country. So we've got to make sure it stays there and, and it's and people see it. There's been no money made from a financial aspect. There's no money to be made in this at all. This is going to be a hopefully a breaking even scenario. Because besides losing the fans, you've got to think of the cost of what we're going to put in order to make these events work. The cost of the, of the you know, the testing that we're going to have to do for the fighters, the cost of the, you know, the, the isolation, putting them in hotels, whereas you only have, you know, boxes coming in to the country, but maybe be in the hotel for, as I mentioned earlier, say for, you know, four or five days, they're going to be in, in a hotel for two weeks. And their cost, it's their food and everything else that, that um, is that, 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 that surrounds that so we've got to be you know we've got to be careful in what we're doing but we've got to make sure that we are there we've got to make sure that we you know, boxing is still a big british sport that we can get out there so public you mentioned about Dubois joyce um and obviously we've spoken about it several weeks ago about not wanting to take that behind closed doors in the last 24 hours or so we've heard news that Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin, which was a pay-per-view heavyweight fight, is going to happen behind closed doors. Is is that something that you could that you could kind of look at with the Bois Joyce as you go forward, or you just really don't no, want to put that? No, at this stage, I wouldn't even consider it. Wouldn't even consider it at this stage. It needs to be in front of the public. That's how we see it. You know, look, some, you know, again, contrary to what was said by a couple of people doing their podcast, that fight that the O2 has was nigh on sold out. We only had, you know, very, very few tickets left. And even whilst it's been um, postponed until July, fingers crossed, we've only had roughly 10% of people asking for refunds up to as yet. And I'm sure if it does go ahead on that date, they'll come back in and buy it. So, I, I, one, it's the revenue, what we've got to pay the fighters. And two, it's very important, as I say, that fighters, big, real big, big fights feed off of atmosphere. You know, the crowd there, the, the, you know, the electric buzz in the air and so forth. And so our challenge as promoters is going to be how you're going to translate that into a studio setting, if you're doing show, which we'll be doing shows in the studio. We've got to get that atmosphere going. Now, we're, we, we're lucky. We've actually done Total Combat. in um, We did that in BT Studio, behind, uh, you know, in there. And that came across really well, the way it was filmed and so forth. So we do have an experience of doing that if it's in if it's in a studio. It may not be in a studio, it may be in a in a in a in a small venue that we take over. So our objective is to, to say to get these on and to start with at the level we've just said, and I think the boxing board of control would talk about starting shows at a certain level. But we'll stop start at that level and you know see how it, how it pans out. We're we're aiming to do a minimum of one show per week. So that's where we're at. I've spoken to several, obviously several people, but several promoters recently, Callis and Eddie Hearn, etc. They've all said that due to kind of a backlog or a potential backlog when we come back, the need for, or certainly the appeal for having tune-up fights, so to speak, is going to go. And you, you're going to have the situation where fighters are going to be forced to take fights that they wouldn't necessarily have planned on taking before the coronavirus lockdown. Do you agree with that? And if so, why? I don't know. I think each fighter is a different. It's a different scenario. You know, it's a diff it depends what level they're at in their careers. I think you know, you take you look at each level, and you then we make our decision how we're going actually going to, going to deal with that. But as I see it at the moment, um, look, the, the problem you're going to have is you're not be able to give everybody fights. That's a fact. I mean, you're only going to on these shows. You're not going to have more than five fights per show. That's what the board is saying at the moment, and that really is how it will be. Because you can't have that amount of people close together, so it's going to be it's going to have to be strictly controlled. So you're only talking about ten fighters per week getting a, a fight on our shows. That's how it's going to be. So we've got to we've got to make sure that we service all our contracts for our fighters as best we can, and make sure everybody's sensible. And as I say, we'll de deal with each each boxer individually because that's what they are—they're individuals. But we obviously, you know, you're not going to get a long run of tune-up fights that's just not going to happen also um potentially throws up the opportunity for uh cross-promotional fights potentially um strange bedfellows and what have you working together in, in interesting times what do you think of that frank well no it may happen with again it's see what, what you know what, what it throws up but at the moment we've got to give our own fighters work and we've got enough fighters 
in the different weight divisions that can fight each other, mm. which we've been doing, as you know, for a long while. We've been putting our guys against each other. So there's some good fights there that we can put on from within our promotion, from guys who are under our promotional umbrella. Okay, well, before we move on and talk about a few other little bits and pieces, Frank, you do have a couple of new signings this week. Um, nice to see in this uncertain time fighters being signed to promotional companies. Nathan Heaney, young man at Stoke, has got himself quite a following. Um, talk to us a little bit about bringing him into the fold, Frank. Well, as you say, he's got a, a following. He's exciting. He's got a tremendous following. He's a bit like a young, youngish Ricky Hatton situation. Problem is, we can't, we can't sell him any tickets. So <laughs> he's a lovely lad. I spoke to him the other day, and uh, I'm looking forward to working with him. It's exciting. It's exciting fighter, as you say. Um, you know, once hopefully we get, you know, we can get the live audiences back, we're going to have some fun up in this area. You know, Stoke and around that area, we'll, we'll, uh, I'm quite sure we'll have some packed out shows. It doesn't really strike me as a hotbed of boxing over the years. I can't think of too many shows that have been to Stoke, Frank. Nor can I. I used to do because I can say these things years ago. We used to do a lot of shows up there. We used to do a run of a series called Fight Night on the. Uh, on uh, ITV, and we used to use uh, set in that's called the Central TV area, and we used to do quite a few shows in 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 and around that area. But what I'm liking, what I'm looking forward to trying to see if we can do is to somehow deliver him a world title fight at Stoke City's ground, which would be fabulous. You can imagine what the turnout would be there for that. That's some some very lofty early expectations, Frank. Well, it's probably got to work out. I mean, look, at the end of the day. I'm ambitious. He's ambitious. I'm ambitious. And the name of the game is to try and make these things happen. That's the job. That's, that's our job as promoters to make them happen. So that's what we, you know, what I'll try to do and try to deliver. And just finally, as I mentioned, you had a couple of signings. Echo Esselman has also joined the Queensbury stable. Just tell us a little bit about him, Frank. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a good record. I mean, it's not like he's uh, he's not a youngster. You know, young, I mean, like starting out afresh. He's, he's got a good winning record. And I'm looking forward to him uh, being part of the team. And I'm looking forward to him being in some exciting fights. It's a very exciting weight division. Just need some uh, some fights to be able to put on first. But yeah. Andrew McCart, IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Delighted to be joined by Jack Carroll. Jack, we finally made it, mate. We're here. We're doing an interview. First and foremost, how's, done it. How's, how's things? All good, mate. Yeah. Uh, on. Uh, doing what I can, but all good. How are you? Since likewise, mate. Just doing what I can. Been going on loads of road cycles and trying to keep fit. And that's I've it, really. It's busy outside. Everyone's cycling. Everyone's started running. It's amazing, eh? What's the weather been like where you are? Believe it or not, it's been nice. It's cloudy today, but the last few days has been absolutely amazing, nice and sun sunny. I know you've been out in the yep. garden because you're building a pond or something, are you not? Building a pond. I've just ordered some Japanese koi for my pond. How big's the pond? It's about four metres long, a metre wide. It's about five foot deep. It's a big pond. Ah, that'll be interesting. Put it up on your Instagram, mate, so I can have a wee, a wee look at it. Yeah, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> Good stuff. Should we talk boxing then? Yeah, let's get to it. Definitely. Um, I've got to ask, mate, you're obviously with this pandemic going on and stuff like that and everything that's going on, how are you keeping fit? How are you well, staying match fit, so to speak? Are you doing that going out running? Have you got a bag in the house and stuff like that? Yeah, I've been quite fortunate. Uh, <clears throat> Steve Wood from the VIP gym, uh, he sold us a bag quite a few weeks ago, so... I've drilled the punch bag up in the garage, been out on the push bike, been running, got some dumbbells, bit of circuits. I actually did a live workout for one of my girlfriends. She works for a big engineering company. Oh, right. So I in the front room. That went down quite well, I think, the other day. Well, but yeah, it. just been keeping fit. Uh, I know that once the shows do commence, uh, I'm in prime position for some big fights, so I've got to make sure that I'm staying ready. Uh, as soon as we can get back in the gym, that I'm not chasing the fitness, I'm fit and ready, I can get to the sparring, 
and get the work done. Are you wanting the big fight next? I mean, you haven't fought, I think it was November last year. By the time everything kicks off again, it might be July, August or whatever. Are you wanting a, a warm-up fight before you step into them big fights? Because it would have been a long time you're out the ring, been out the ring. Yeah, I, I'm under the impression I'm going to need to fight again. Uh, things have not been ideal and I've been waiting a long time, but it is what it is. No morning on my side. <clears throat> I think once it commences, we've got Ramirez Postal to take place. I bet they're both good as well. Their fight's mm -hmm. been... well. I don't. Has it been rescheduled? It won't have been rescheduled. I don't know. It was. It was meant to be in China. Then it was moved to LA, I think. <clears> and then it got cancelled out there. So it's been cancelled twice. And I don't think it's been rescheduled. So I think they're. they're We've got to wait for that fight to happen, uh, and then ultimately after that's done, I get the winner. Well, let's talk about that then, because Umar had done an interview with uh, Ramirez two weeks ago. I done one with Josh a couple of days ago. Before we talk about what Josh said, I want to just talk about what Ramirez said. Reference yourself being in the mandatory position. He said that you should take step aside money, let him do the undisputed fight with Josh. Give the fans what they want. I know you're laughing. Give the fans what they want, and then you can fight for the vacant belt. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Of course, and I'd have probably said the same thing because I was in their position. I mean, a unification fight between them two uh, <clears throat> is a big money fight. Uh, to fight me after he's boxed Postal, that's uh, for if he won, if he beats Postal, uh, which I think we expect him to. It's not quite. Uh, it's not a unification fight. It's not not going to get the numbers he'll want to be getting. So, uh, but from a selfish point of view, unless they can pay ridiculous money to make me step aside, I've waited too long to to be bribed to sit on the bench and where I want to fight. So that's what Josh said. That's, I put it to Josh. I said, Josh, I mentioned what Ramirez said. I said, what's your thoughts on that? And your thoughts on Jack being mandatory for so long? He says, I feel for Jack. He says, if I was in Jack's position, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take step aside money. There's no way you'd make me do it unless it's for a substantial amount and stuff like that. But he said he would... These, these guys are fighting a unification fight. There's, there's millions of pounds in that fight. Unless they can come up with a sensible offer, I don't think I can be bought. I want to fight for a world title. I've been training since I was a young kid. Mm -hmm. And at this point now, it's been like we were chasing Maurice Hooker. We didn't get the fight because of unification fight. And then to be tried to be sidelined again for another unification fight, it's like, fuck's sake, how long is it going to be? I know. So, have to see how it unfolds. Obviously, Josh has got a fight scheduled. Ramirez has got a fight scheduled. They've both got fights, so once I'm sat waiting, but we'll get there. The thing is, Jack, are you one of these fighters that do you want to win a win the title off the champion, or does do you do you not care how you win a world title, whether it be vacant or win it from the world champion? Which one would you prefer? Obviously, probably win it from a world champion. I would think. Of course, yeah. I mean. To get to the position to fight for a world title, I think it's took a lot of hard work anyway for anybody. But <clears throat> I think for me anyway, I'd rather take the belt from a champion and get the credit I deserve than fight for a vacant title where you could probably pick somebody in the top five, top ten of the WBO and kind of... But you'd, I'd want to fight... <clears throat> all the fights that I've had, I've had, a, I've had 12 or 14 domestic fights over the last couple of years and I've beat everybody. I don't believe I've got... I think it's going to be these big fights that bring the best out of me and I don't believe that the fights before I've done that so I don't want to be fighting like ideally I'd want the Ramirez fight next but I'm because of the time period I'm going to have to fight but I need to test myself I want to see how good I am with the likes of Josh Taylor Ramirez Hostel Progre Hooker I want to fight all these guys and test myself I've got to say like how much would it be how much would they have to say right Jack this is the amount we're giving you to step aside. Like in your head, what are you thinking? Are you thinking it needs to be high six figures, even seven figures? What are you thinking in your head for the step aside? Yeah, it's got to be a million pounds, definitely. There's like that unification fight between them two. It's going to generate a lot of money. So unless it's like a million pounds, I wouldn't even entertain it. I need to fight for a world title. I want to get my world title. I mean, let's just let's just presume all the cards fall in in your place, Jack. Like Ramirez beats Postal. He doesn't take the unification fight. You step up to your man's position, fight Ramirez, beat Ramirez, right? Then you're going to step in with somebody like Josh Taylor for an undisputed fight. I mean, you're talking maybe three, four fights down the line. When you look at it like that, what, how does that make you feel? When you look at like three, four fights down the line, that could become unified and then undisputed. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think, isn't it? Of course, and this is what I've, I've worked for. Uh, I'm under no illusion, everything everything at the right time. Uh, it's like I don't get carried away thinking about, oh, I could fight 
Ramirez and then unification with Josh and then I could be the one going up to 47 and fighting the boys up 47 for the titles. I mean, that's all well and good. I've got to focus just every day, remain fit, get the contracts done, uh, get everything in place and just look after myself and then build two of them big fights. Selfishly, I would like to see you against Josh. That's a selfish point of view for me anyway. I mean... When you when you think like Josh Taylor and what he's done, as Cody's obviously local, he's he's a bit like a yourself. What? How does that excite you? That fight with Josh Taylor, man. I, I, that's a fight for British fight fans to get their mouth watering, isn't it? Of course, and sometimes I think I wish I was mandatory for one of his world titles, but the way it is, we've been on the w, WBO route. Uh, we've got Ramirez, but I mean that fight's a massive fight in the UK. Me and Josh would sell out anywhere all over the country. Uh, it's just a brilliant fight. So hopefully, fingers crossed, in the future, these fights can get done. Definitely. Like I said, selfishly, I want to see it. So um, I've got to say as well, like you, you've been mandatory for so long. So do you, how do you get up for these fights that are just fights that you're obviously picked to win? There's a, the odds are for you to win quite handsomely, even get the stoppage. How do you, do you still get the hunger there? Or do you just like claw along? How do you still find the hunger to fight these guys? You've got to be. I think that's the difference between slipping up before you get to the big fights, you've got to remain focused. Uh, that last fight I had in Dubai, Timo Schwarzkopf, he was a tough fighter. You know, the three losses. I was out won. there, I was out in Dubai, yeah. I've seen the fight. And the guy that he'd lost to, was it Van Herden? Well, to wait, we were tough. So, I mean, I knew that I had to be switched on that fight uh, to get a good win against him, beat him on points. But, I mean, these are, that's probably a better fight than fights that I've had previous where you're kind of ticking over weight, and that was a good fight. Uh, I mean, it is hard, I'm not going to lie, you're aspiring fighters that are a lot better than the fights that you're going to be having, uh, because that's just part and parcel of the game. You've got to get the wins and remain busy so they can get these fights. You mentioned moving up to 147 there. Is that a sort of goal of yours or a dream of yours as well, to win a title here at 140, then move up to 147? Obviously, but underneath the heavyweight division, the welterweight division is probably the money division. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm still making 10 stone comfortably. Uh, actually been tracking progress now for the last couple of weeks with the nutritionist but I think ultimately once you've won me world titles you've defended them possibly unified then you look at going up but I mean, it's not in the immediate plans but if an opportunity come up at 47 I'd definitely take it into consideration. Robert Smith from the British Boxing Board of Controls released a statement saying that we might be fighting well putting, well, putting shows on in July but behind closed doors what's your thoughts on fighting in front of like an empty sort of in, in the studio rather than with the crowd and everything behind you what's your thoughts on that would you still get up for that fight or would you do you feed off the crowd yeah I got, I got asked, asked this the other day and I just think if they're the circumstances it's not ideal you'd rather have all your fans their family and end of the day it don't matter it's a fight whether it's in the garden ring with nobody there if I'm still going to get my opportunity to fight for a world title and it can be broadcasted on the TV then that'll do for me Definitely, I, I will be quite awkward. Like, it doesn't. I don't know how long this is going to take for this all falls into place. Like, but I mean, I've got to ask another thing. Your, your sort of training team. One is... minute. I just want to mention. I just want to say, like, obviously, I'm in a position where I've bought, boxed on TV. But I just feel sorry for the small hall shows. Like, mm -hmm. how are they going to? No, definitely. Like, that's what I mean. Like, you, you starting out and guys that are building and there's not a lot of money in the shows and it's not televised. It's going to be difficult. So, I mean. Everybody in the whole world has been affected by it, but got to feel for some of the fighters, you think it's going to end a lot of careers early. Well, that's the thing. You've got a lot of fighters, especially fighters coming up. You were probably on this when you were coming up. A ticket deal. Like, you know, you don't get yeah. a first year on a ticket deal. So selling tickets is how you make your, your money. Do you know what I mean? So that's going to be quite hard. Yeah, I just hope boxing can recover from it and these guys get to, to carry on their journey. Yeah, well, fingers crossed, because I hope they do. Because like I say, it's all us in the game. We love the sport. We love what we do. And... Hope he does recover and we can get back to doing what we love. I want to mention as well, you've got your training sort of, well, your stable has changed a little bit. You've got Dave Allen coming along now to train with you. I mean, what's it going to be like with the big Dave? I mean, who's the ping pong champion in that stable of yours? Is it still Carl? Carl's still the champion of the ping pong. Uh, he's quite good to be first. I don't think I'll have him any time soon, but it'll be interesting. Uh, I've met Dave only three or four times at boxing shows, uh, got on well with him, but yeah, I mean, I think he'll be a good fit for the gym and looking forward to seeing him in some good fights in the future. 
do you think Jamie's the type the, the, is the type of coach that could get the best out of Dave? I know he's been like Dan Barker, he's been with other coaches, he's trained himself and stuff like that. But do you think he's fulfilled his potential, Dave, or do you think he's got more to give? I believe he's got more to give, and I think uh, for me personally, training with Jamie, the training side was was bang on, but uh, mentally the way he explains stuff, the way just the way he explains stuff, to break stuff down and mentality in the gym with him and Nigel. Uh, I think everything just works really well. It works for me. Uh, it's brought the best out of me, or it's bringing the best out of me. So fingers crossed, it can do the same for Dave and, and getting back to his uh, get back to the best. Got to ask you this then, Jack. As a UK fighter, British fighter, there was also talk last week of Wilder, Ed Wilder, taking well, Wilder taking step aside. It's sort of like your sort of situation, okay? Wilder taking step aside money for Fury and Joshua to fight for the undisputed sort of titles and stuff like that. I'm not going to ask you what's your opinion because you'll probably be like Wild and be like, you have to pay me mega bucks. But Fury and Joshua, I want to get your thoughts on that fight because obviously, as a fellow Brit, what's your, what's your thoughts on that big heavyweight clash? Without saying, obviously it's a massive fight. We all want to see that fight, but I've got to go with my man Fury. Uh, I just think he's going from strength to strength since he's come back. And... Just watching both their fights, I just think he outboxes him. Do you think he can go in and stop Josh the way he did Wilder? I mean, he approached that fight different, didn't he? He came in and, well, came out quick, came out the traps quick and put it on Wilder from the start. Do you think he can do some, that sort of tactics against Joshua? Possibly. I think they could both do it to each other. Uh, we've seen Fury down, we've seen Joshua down. They both could be hurt. They're both massive punchers. So it's, I think it's a big, it's a big tactics fight, isn't it? I think. They both could do it to each other, so that's why it's such an interesting fight. But I definitely swear towards Fury. Uh, just, he, I think he just got a better IQ and he boxes a bit better than Joshua. Uh, but again, it takes one punch. Definitely, Jack. Before I let you go, have you got anything you'd like to to add? I mean, in a nutshell, this this interview, I ain't taking step aside money unless you give me a million. Because, like I say, how long have you been mandatory for? Up the step aside money. Put that as the screen. I will. There you go. That's what I'm going to do. You've just <laughs> given me my title. See, that's all I'm after. A good title. Jack, I really do hope you get your shot. You deserve it because, like, you've been mandatory for, I think it was over a year and a half, is it? Yeah, it'd be 18 months coming up. So, hopefully we can get back the messages to everybody. Stay safe. Look after your loved ones. And uh, hopefully we can come out on the other side and get back to boxing. Jack, as always, like I said, Thanks for doing this Firefield TV. I appreciate your time. Now, go and get some water in that pond. Get your koi fish. And uh, I want to see you on Instagram. I want to see what it looks like. Nice one, Andy. You take care, mate. See you soon. Thanks very much, Jack. Appreciate your time, pal. Thank you. Radio Raheem here, bleaching my veins, getting rid of this Rona. <laughs> Apparently, Mike Tyson is in training right now to make a return to the ring. All right, I mean, again, it's fake news Friday, right? So let's not let's not go crazy. Yeah, return to the ring in three to four round exhibition fights, not. You know, well, that's how Floyd returned to the ring. <laughs> and he didn't really return to the ring, if you get what I'm saying. Like, he, he fought an exhibition fight that's not the same, Raheem. Oh, I get that. I, I don't know, Michelle. Last week you were arguing about how valid the uh, McGregor Mayweather fight was to me. That was the worst exhibition of them all. But we won't revisit that argument. To me, even. And the other fights are exhibitions, big fights, right? They're mar they're they're money making fights that aren't really taken too seriously, but they're fun because you get to watch people, you know, see who's going to get knocked out. That's all people watch it for. No one's watching it to actually learn anything. That's that's how I that's how they should have promoted McGregor Mayweather. It's just the best of the most exhibitions of fights. But I think I don't know if Mike Tyson has the temperament for an exhibition fight. 
That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I want to find out. Like you know, the guy's smoking weed. He's doing podcasts. He's making cameos in movies. He's got a little gray in his beard. He's chilling. But it's been so long. Raheem, question, real question. Maybe people can tell us. Real question. When you smoke weed, I don't smoke weed, so I don't know. When you smoke weed, right, anyone who's watching, does that affect your lungs the same way that, that smoking cigarettes does, or does it not affect the same way? Serious question, not taking the piss. I really want to know, because if that's the case, as much smoke is, is smoking as he does these days, I don't see how that helps him in the ring. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it might help him when the sheriffs jump in the ring and try to separate the fighters because he's rushed the corner. But that's my point. I don't care. His win capacity is the least of my concerns at the minute. I'm more concerned with his mental capacity to get back into combat and not be the same animal mentality that he has had his entire career. That weed is the most medicinal weed on the planet. <laughs> there is nobody with a greater claim to their medicinal weed card being valid than Mike Tyson. <laughs> I don't know if he could do it. But the question is, if he does it, if he does it, can Mike Tyson keep his cool? And is there anybody you think, anybody you think Mike Tyson could still beat? <laughs> Not just that, but is there anyone sane enough to get in the ring with him? <laughs> How much does it take to get in the ring with Mike Tyson? Genuine question. How much money would you have to pay somebody to want to fight that man? Even now. Even yeah. now. <laughs> there, you know, it's funny because when a fighter has that, that, that position in boxing of, like, the guy to beat, he's the biggest star in the sport, everybody is coming for him. Always. Yeah. Right. So when Mike Tyson did make his return, which wasn't all that wildly impressive in the last chapter of his career, Mike Tyson was still a huge event every time he stepped through the ropes. And even if it's an exhibition, I think it will remain the same. But when you see a fighter who's retired 15 years being able to get this kind of interest, and listen, I don't care what anybody says. If Mike Tyson gets in the ring, even in an exhibition, with somebody you even vaguely know, we're all going to tune in to see what happens. If Floyd Mayweather, even with these exhibitions and these ridiculous MMA opponents, steps in the ring, we're going to watch to yeah. see what happens. And he's still, to this day, the <laughs> biggest money you can make fighting somebody in boxing. And he's been retired for years. How many people are still calling out Floyd Mayweather? Who's yeah. got on mitts now instead of gloves? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, obviously, there's Errol Spence Jr., who made a pretty bold statement saying that he he could beat Floyd Mayweather if he fought him in his prime. Uh, that's another question to ask the, the fans listening. Do you believe that? Or do you believe that he's only saying that because there's no way to find out? So that's a question. We obviously have Amir Khan, who, for somehow, we always end up getting him... The Floyd Mayweather's name out of his mouth. I, I, you know, I saw Leonard Ellerby tweet today saying, like, get over it. Like, let it go. Like, just stop talking about it. And so I asked you guys the same question. Like, do you, do you know, it, is it just annoying at this point to keep hearing <laughs> Floyd Mayweather's name mentioned again and again when we all know the guy is retired? Now, don't get me wrong. I do understand that he likes to tease people and say that he's making a comeback. Now, when we, when he, at this point, we all know that when he says comeback, it's going to be in a form of an exhibition fight. It's not going to be, a, a, you know, the same Floyd Mayweather we saw fighting, you know, four years ago. So it's not the same. It's going to be exhibition events, um, much like with the one we saw in, what was it, Japan? But it is fake news Friday, so everybody's got to take these questions with a grain of salt, okay? Mike Tyson is definitely training for something. I don't know if it's going to be like, you know, a celebrity boxing match, something for charity, or if he has somewhere in the back of his mind, hey, if this goes really well, maybe I can get one more like sanctioned professional fight. But as in any comeback, boxers are going to make their opinions known. George Foreman 
has come out on the record and even in the exhibition realm, he's like, yo, Mike, it's done. Like, we don't need to see you in the ring anymore. Your time is over. Forget about it. We don't want to see you come back. So to me, that is just the first barb of shit talking for a possible huge re-comeback for both fighters. All right, so here's what I'm saying. Would you rather see, would you rather see Mike Tyson return to the ring against, like, George Foreman? They're both super old. They've both got great hair if Foreman has any hair left at all. And Foreman's already talking shit. Sounds like a perfect fight. For a, an old man come back one more time around the block type of fight, or do we rather see Floyd Mayweather return in one of those exhibitions? Amir Khan, Lomachenko even has Floyd's name in his mouth, and he hasn't called Floyd out per se, but he did say that would be his dream fight. Obviously, Floyd's a lot closer to it than what Mike Tyson is as far as his last competitive boxing match. Could could Floyd Mayweather beat Lomachenko today? I'm not talking prime. I'm talking about if Floyd was like, you know what, let me grab this spotlight right quick out of quarantine and be the first big sensational boxing match to happen. Could Floyd Mayweather take on Lomachenko and beat him today? Those are my two uh, remaining questions. And then what was the, the, the last one? What would Wilder, what would Wilder take? If you were Wilder, what would it take to make that fight? You wanna you wanna weigh in on my last two questions, Michelle, before we go? Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> I, will this, I will say this. We the media are responsible half the time for these like for people repeating Floyd Mayweather's name and so forth, because we bait them sometimes into questions that do you know make them mention the names and we don't mention that part. When, you know, it's written into an article, it doesn't say, you know, reporter repeatedly asked the question about Floyd Mayweather and they responded. And so I do know half the time these people, they don't intend to necessarily always bring them up or, um, you know, uh, bait them into, you know, wanting to talk about it. I mean, no, we bait them into wanting to talk about it. So just wanted to clarify that we do do that. I with that said, if this conversation is still relevant, whenever I get a microphone in front of Lomachenko, I'm going to do exactly the same thing <laughs> because I would kill to see that fight. I'll tell you right now, there's no cliffhanger here. That fight, and yes, even more so than the possible fights that are really discussed that are possible to be made, if Floyd Mayweather were to come out of retirement and face Lomachenko at 140 pounds, that would be the fight I would most want to see. To me, that would be like a marvelous boxing clinic. And I don't know who would win it. Like at 140 pounds, if Floyd could get down and, 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 and Loma gets up to 40, I, I would, I would, if all these fights were happening on the same night and I could only go to one of them, I wouldn't even have to think twice about it. So hopefully we'll be back on Saturday next week talking about real news instead of fake news Friday, but you never know what the next few days hold. Because apparently Mike Tyson is in training right now to make a return to the ring. All right, I mean, again, it's fake news Friday, right? Well, so let's well, not let's not go ring, crazy. Yeah, return to the ring in three to four round exhibition fights, not you well, know. That's how Floyd returned to the ring, <laughs> and he didn't really return to the ring. If you get what I'm saying, like he he fought an exhibition fight. That's not the same, Raheem. Oh, I get that. I, I don't know, Michelle. Last week you were arguing about how valid the uh, McGregor-Mayweather fight was to me. I that, was, that was the worst exhibition of them all, but we won't revisit that argument. To me, even the other fights are exhibitions. Big fights, right? They're, they're, they're money-making fights that aren't really taken too seriously, but they're fun because you get to watch people you know, see who's going to get knocked out. That's all people watch it for. No one's watching it to actually learn anything.
that's that's how I that's how they should have promoted McGregor Mayweather. It's just the best of the most exhibitions of fights. But I think I don't know if Mike Tyson has the temperament for an exhibition fight. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I want to find out. Like you know, the guy's smoking weed. He's doing podcasts. He's making cameos in movies. He's got a little gray in his beard. He's chilling. But it's I been so long. Raheem, question, real question. Maybe people can tell us. Real question. When you smoke weed, I don't smoke weed, so I don't know. When you smoke weed, right, anyone who's watching, does that affect your lungs the same way that, that smoking cigarettes does, or does it not affect the same way? Serious question, not taking the piss. I really want to know, because if that's the case, as much smoke is, is smoking as he does these days, I don't see how that helps him in the ring. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it might help him when the sheriffs jump in the ring and try to separate the fighters because he's rushed the corner. But that's my point. I don't care. His win capacity is the least of my concerns at the minute. I'm more concerned with his mental capacity to get back into combat and not be the same animal mentality that he has had his entire career. That weed is the most medicinal weed on the planet. <laughs> there is nobody with a greater claim their medicinal weed card being valid than Mike Tyson. <laughs> I don't know if he could do it. But the question is, if he does it, if he does it, can Mike Tyson keep his cool? And is there anybody you think, anybody you think Mike Tyson could still beat? <laughs> Not just that, but is there anyone sane enough to get in the ring with him? <laughs> How much money does it take to get in the ring with Mike Tyson? Genuine question. How much money would you have to pay somebody to want to fight that man? Even now. Even, even now. now. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when a fighter has that, that, that position in boxing of, like, the guy to beat, he's the biggest star in the sport, everybody is coming for him. Always. Yeah. Right. So when Mike Tyson did make his return, which wasn't all that wildly impressive in the last chapter of his career, Mike Tyson was still a huge event every time he stepped through the ropes. And even if it's an exhibition, I think it will remain the same. But when you see a fighter who's retired 15 years being able to get this kind of interest and listen, I don't care what anybody says. If Mike Tyson gets in the ring, even an exhibition with somebody you even vaguely know, we're all going to tune in to see what happens. Hey Fi fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye Fi fans. Johnny, let me ask you, um, you would have seen all this stuff with um, Dylan White and Andy Ruiz over the last few days as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so again, so I rate Dylan because Dylan, you know, he's not bullshitting. You know, so if he's saying, come on, let's do it, he'll just do it. And if you run him down, he'll come looking for you and front you out. He might not beat you up, but he'll sit and say, yo, I that ball. You know, and I like that about him. I like that if he bumps into Ruiz at a show, He's going to, boom, march over to him. Because I've seen him. And I like that about him. I thought, he's no bullshitter. He reminds me of a Joe Fraser. He's just like, raw. He's rugged. And so, so Ruiz, Ruiz has got, he's got one hit. So, 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 uh, but Ruiz, Ruiz has got one hit. Ruiz is a millionaire now. So Ruiz is living a living lifestyle. Chain, things have changed from a little bit. Remember, it's not being that long. So he's got money. He's got dollars. So he knows his next fight, he's got to make the most of it because he's a good scout. It's the fight after that where he's not going to be able to command as much money. So he's wanting four million, five million. He might get that for his next fight. So I can understand him trying to hold out to get as much money as he can because he knows after this fight, that big gravy chair is gone. And, he's, and, and that's what he's got to be smart on. Do you remember when uh, Buster, Douglas beat, Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson? And then, uh, sorry, 
Yeah, Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson, and then his next fight was against Evander Holyfield. That year, Buster Douglas was the richest sportsman in the world, as in money earned, that year, because his next fight was for a lot of money against Holyfield. Then after that, he stopped plummeted. So Ruiz, I understand Ruiz saying, give me this. Yeah, wait, give me this. Someone's going to pay. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's poking the stick at the wrong dog if he's doing that with Dylan White because Dylan White would, will hound you. Because I know Dylan White was doing that with, with, with Wilder. He was doing that with, he does it with Joshua. He will do it with all of them. And so uh, he's, he, I actually like people watching with him watching him, how he just operates. I actually like that side of Dylan because uh, uh, people have got to react to him. And I think he's the only one that's throwing a room with anybody and sitting around a table with anybody and he will, he will give as good as he gets. He's the only one. I think if you put Anthony Joshua on a table across from um, Tyson Fury or, or, or uh, Deontay Wilder, I think he would verbally be outsparred. I think if you put Dylan White in the table with any of them, he will give them as much back and more. And you know that that there'll be some serious tension in the room. Eddie Hearn hasn't kind of ruled out the possibility of Andy Ruiz being Dylan White's next opponent. Obviously, with the situation we're in, awaiting confirmed dates in this lockdown, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He said that there's a possibility that it could be Ruiz next. So, there's no reason why not. Uh, because uh, White needs an opponent, which, which that's got a bit some status, and, and Dylan White, and, and, and Ruiz, you know, he can fight who he wants. Um, and so it's not ruling it out. It's about, then, then you put it down to the businessmen. Uh, even Tony Bellew said, you know, I'd come out of retirement and, and probably beat uh, Ruiz, but it wouldn't be his fight, it'd be a trickster, or something worse to that effect. Uh, I get it. You know, he's hot property, Ruiz. Ruiz is like the guy you think, I want to beat the man, I beat the man. And, um, but remember, when, before Ruiz lost to Anthony Joshua, everybody else thought that, who bought Ruiz? And they look at this little fat guy with long arms thinking, I'd do him. And they underestimate what he actually can do because of how he looks. It's mad, isn't it? Because before this fight with Joshua last year, um, do you know who's ringing me? Go on, Dave. Why do you got? His, why do you got? <laughs> that doesn't look like Dave on a picture. That's, that's Leonard Ellaby. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. I'll ring you back in a minute. Um, no one was ever talking about Ruiz, as in in contention with kind of the the top heavyweights in the world is mad. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because of how, look how, look at him. And that, but you think, that's why people made, Julian Jackson, when he used to box, uh, uh, Julian Jackson, I can remember when Harold boxed him, Julian Jackson, and you knew he was vulnerable, but you know he could bang. And, uh, and Harold just didn't do his homework on Julian Jackson. Julian Jackson thought, this guy can't beat him as long as you're boxing. The only guy that beat him was Mike McCallum up to that point because Mike McCallum did his homework. As Julian Jackson got in close, he put his hands up, blocked him, bam, bam, did his homework. And so everyone said, no, nah, nah, I don't need to watch that. And I know how to deal with him. You know, and what I'm saying is doing the homework. And so when he boxed Julian, uh, Julian Jackson, he boxed him, he boxed him, thinking I've got him. The, the fight was almost stopped. The fight was almost Harold's until he made the fight on mistake, what everybody else did. They looked at Julian Jackson being, this guy can't, can't see. They're out boxing him, they're out boxing him. Then all of a sudden get catched. The second he sees you, that's a problem because he had such bad eyesight. Once you came into focus, boom, he took you out. So you've got to give your opponent that respect. Andrew Ruiz never got that respect from his, from his previous opponents. That's why he was unbeaten going into that, uh, bar from the loss to, to Joseph Parker, which was, uh, which was uh, you know, uh, you can talk about did he win or didn't he lose. It was, it was, a, it was a close fight. It was contentious. So, so, so with, with the Andrew Weeds, people have just got to look at him and think, wow, forget about what I see, how he looks. It's what he can do, what he can achieve. And so don't underestimate him. The only reason why I would question him now is about desire and hunger because his life has changed. His lifestyle changed, and it makes a lot of difference to certain people. Um, and so, so that's why I would question. Uh, that's the only reason why I would question the situation with Andrew Weiss.
Interesting. And Dylan White is still out in Portugal. He's in camp, you know. Good. Because because last time Dylan White was out, you know, he wasn't happy with his performance because it's overweight. He just wanted it was it back uh, that he boxed uh, his last fight. Whack um, was on the Saudi. Whack, yeah. So so he wasn't happy with his performance performance because and he's and, and, and Whack is not the kind of guy you choose as a, as a as a you know one of those fights. He was tough, and Dylan White's you know he's struggling. But then he was happy with Harry Love. Now he's put himself in a position where I'm getting my body ready for when when you're ready. And as I said before, and I said to many people, this next six months, the first six months out of quarantine, out of lockdown, when shows are on, you're going to see so many upsets in this game because now it's a level playing field. Everybody is training, bar people like Dylan who, who, who put themselves in a position where they're in camp and they're willing to make it their lifestyle to stay in camp while we're on quarantine. Everybody's on a level playing field. So one fighter's not going to have 12 weeks notice over the next fight and pull them in last week's last week notice. They're going to want to put shows on. So when they put these shows on, every fighter that's gone in there has had the same amount of notice, had the same amount of prep, um, uh, time to prep. So, so do not be surprised if there's a couple of upsets. The other thing that, that, uh, that I would say is this, if they're going to put shows on where, where there's no crowd there, you and I could fight today in an, in an empty car park and you'd beat me. You and I then fight again in, a, in an arena where there's 20,000 or I never got 20,000, but a crowded uh, place. And I'd beat you. So, again, it's about learning. So, it's a youngster. So, young one's coming through. It's about mental attitude and mental uh, preparation to be able to deal with these things. So, these, 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 doing something like this is going to make a lot of difference to the results of a fight. And, yes, you'll say if you can win, you can win. But it's not just about getting there and boxing. It's about that as well. Welcome to the latest edition of Seconds Out Reflections. Um, we're here every Monday, 4.30pm, um, usually on the dot. And this week, I got into a bit of a heated debate on Twitter. I know, unlike me, right? Um, always happening, to be fair. Um, lost a couple of jobs from things I've put on Twitter in the past, which some people already know about and I'm not going to go into now. Um, but this time, thankfully, um, I still remain in gainful employment unless, you know, my bosses are watching, there's something I don't know. Um, but this one was about women's boxing, and I'm not always sure whether to get involved in these debates because I'm hardly, you know, filled with feminist credentials. But, I don't know, hear me out. And I don't want to go too strong on my viewpoint because I really want to know what people out there think. Because opinion was split on Twitter about this. So basically, I've seen a lot of hype recently about a potential fight between Ebony Bridges um, and Shannon Courtney. Now, I don't follow either of these people on Twitter, um, but Ebony Bridges seems to be all over my timeline regardless. Now, a lot of people might say, why don't you just mute her then? And that's a fair point, but um, not the one I'm making on today's vlog. So, I have no problem with two people at an early stage of their careers who've both got good fan bases fighting each other in you know, an undercard fight or even achieve support on a non-pay-per-view show. Um, absolutely no problem with being a female fighter. I've always been a big supporter of women's boxing. Um, probably interviewed more female fighters um, than most, you know, other interviewers out there, I would imagine, both on Boxing News and now with Seconds Out. So having established that, you know, I'm the good guy in the scenario, I basically put up a tweet that said something along the lines of, I'm going in front of me, but it was basically saying, is it really a step towards equality in female boxing, as in equality towards the men's game, for a fight between two women to be based predominantly on their looks? And that's responding to the fact that, A, a lot of the people um, calling for the fight between Bridges and Courtney seem to be doing so based on the content of their tweets, because they both, you know, they fancy both of them, or one or both of them, basically. You know, attractive, both blonde, 
both young. That seems to be the, the focal points for the majority of people on Twitter calling for the fight. That in itself irritates me. I don't think it's good for women's boxing for a fight to be sold purely, not even purely, but predominantly on that basis. I think if female boxing is, and this is the aim, certainly for the majority of women who box, to be treated with the same respect as the men's game, and that's dubious respect, I realise, but certainly there is a, a disparity at the moment between the two, then it needs to be based on athletic performance and entertainment value. I understand that building a profile is not just about how good you are in the ring. If it was, there's several fighters out there on the male and female side that wouldn't be as big as they are now. However, for all the people that responded to the tweet and said things like, well, you know, a lot of women watch AJ Box because he's good looking. That may well be true. I'm not a woman. I'm sure he's a great looking guy. But the fact is, AJ is where he is because of an Olympic gold medal, a unified world heavyweight title reign, second one now, obviously, after regaining the belt. And yeah, he might be good looking and a portion of his audience, and that may be largely female, could watch him for that reason. But it's a, it's a drop in the ocean compared to his overall stadium selling persona and, and profile. It's not the thing that's got him to where he is, and it's certainly not the thing that he's been marketed on. And that's the other issue that comes in, because Bridges herself is seeming to stir up these uh, opinions among the supporters of the fight. She's the one tweeting about, oh yeah, you've got to watch two good-looking girls get on. And um, Someone said something like, oh yeah, you could charge an entrance fee just for the weigh-in. Bit of a kind of lewd comment. And she's like, yeah, we could, yeah, great idea. Things like that. And some of it's tongue-in-cheek, and I understand she just wants a fight and to make money and to raise her profile, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. And I don't blame her for using what she can to do it. But I think if a fight's made predominantly to satisfy that type of fan base, then we're not really pushing women's boxing in the right direction. Now, as I said earlier, I'm not sure how qualified I am to say that because I'm not a female boxer, and I'm not sure if I'm the one who should be kind of defending the respect element of their side of the sport. However, some female boxers did seem to agree with what I was saying. And I want to know what people out there on the whole think. I'm far from a prude, um, and I'm far from, you know, against people promoting themselves either. And, we, you know, my favourite boxer of all time is Nassim Hamid, and he's a huge self-promoter. He was about far more than what he did in the ring, and I've got no problem with that. I just think that women's boxing has fought such a long winding battle for respect over the years from you know in the UK from Jane Couch all the way till now the likes of Katie Taylor and Carissa Shields obviously overseas and people here as well you know the likes of Terry Harper and Savannah Marshall doing really well and whoever I've missed out as well Eddie Scottney, Chantel Cameron etc etc so I don't annoy anyone Team GB female squad as I've just said doing an interview with Sandy Ryan just now is probably the best it's ever been more competition for places ahead of an Olympic year than we've ever seen. So we've worked, I say we, <laughs> they've worked so hard to get to a level where they're almost viewed with the same respect as the men's game. I mean, with a lot of people, they probably already are, but the audience as a whole, maybe not just yet, because the depth isn't there in the pro side of the sport, certainly. I think this sort of thing, you know, appealing to the lowest common denominator is what I'd call it, I think this sets the calls back. Um... You know, and a lot of people say, oh, well, fun police, you know, it's all a bit of a laugh. Yeah, it is, but there's a wider thing at play here. And I think we want, or generally, I think most boxing fans would want the female sport to be taken seriously and to be judged on its merits of athletic performance and in-ring entertainment. I think if you reduce it to who looks the best in a pair of boxing shorts and a crop top and just let them get it on, then, you know, why not go the whole hog? chuck a load of mud over them and let them wrestle like the old days. You know, we don't want to go back to that. And certainly not in boxing anyway. I think you keep those two sort of things separate. You know, may, maybe I'm talking crazy. And that's where you guys come in. I really want to know what you think about this because it got my going. I've been thinking about it ever since. Well, it's only yesterday, but still, I've been thinking about it for a long time. So let me know what you think. Is this harmless bit of fun and good for both girls and it raises their profile is it in fact good for women's boxing and it raises the profile of that sport or is it female boxers should be judged mainly on their talents um in the ring and their personalities if you like outside of it rather than what they look like 
Let me know what you think. It'd be really good to hear. And I should point out before I go as well, I've not seen anywhere that Shannon Courtney has tried to drum up interest in this fight or responded particularly positively to the overtures of Ebony Bridges. So I just want to point that out because it does seem to be a pretty one-sided push for this fight as it stands. And I know there's other fights in the offing for Shannon that may be more rewarding from an athletic um, perspective. But yeah, that caveat being put in, let me know what you think and I'll respond to some of the comments. I'll be back Thursday, 4.30pm for Flex Expectations and the following Monday for the next Reflection, same time. Really appreciate it and I'll see you all soon. Cheers.